as the fast days of Shivasa Ritamus and Tisha B'Av rapidly approach, I think we're going to turn our attention to the uh, lessons to be learned from negative events. And it starts with an event that marks both, marks both positive occasions and negative ones. And that's the uh, obligation to blow trumpets in the Beit HaMikdash. So I think that from starting from there, we'll see the idea of what it means to mark occasions and learn from them. One of the key pieces I'm hoping we are sort of advancing in our understanding of together is the idea that we need to, uh, when events happen, we need to be sure that we know them, understand them, and see them for what they are, because only then can we learn from them. So let's begin with that mitzvah of the blowing of the trumpet and see where it takes us. So if you look in the Rambam's Sefer Mitzvah, Mitzvah 59, Obligation 59, the Rambam writes, Shitzivanu mikdash there's an obligation to blow trumpets in the mikdash along with the offering of um, along with the offering of the sacrifices of the holidays. Quotes the pasuk. The pasuk is in Bamidbar, and it says, "On days of your joy and your special gathering days, your holidays, right? You'll blow the trumpet." And then the Rambam writes in the same mitzvah. He says, and so too we are obligated to blow the chatzotzrot in times of need, in times of trouble when we're calling out before God. As the verse, the next verse in the Torah says, when you get into a war with troubles that are coming your way. So the Rambam combines in one mitzvah. The obligation to blow the trumpet. Now, they, they're both psukim right next to each other, right? So that would be a reason to think that they go together. But just, just notice, he's combining what we might have thought of as very two very different actions. The action of blowing the trumpets to accompany sacrifices, which I would have thought at least was a joyous uh, occasion. And to mark that and to mark the sacrifices, that's one kind of trumpet blowing. And then the other kind of trumpet blowing is to cry out to God and to worry. And the fact that there's a war coming, we'll see there's a famine, there's this, but times of trouble. And the Rambam combines them in one mitzvah. So let's figure out why so we can understand the mitzvah better. So the Rambam in Hilcho Klea Mikdash, in the laws of the, the uh, pertinences or the vessels of the Beit Mikdash, chapter 3, Allah 5, writes, Bimamodot Kulam, and all of the holidays, then I'm skipping some words, the Kwanim would blow the trumpet at the time of the sacrifice, and the Levian would sing their songs, and he quotes the verse, right? Now, I'll notice that when I look back at the uh, headings of the Mikdash, the Rambam didn't write this mitzvah. That's what he writes there. He doesn't mention, I don't believe, he doesn't mention the fast days. Then when he gets to the laws of fasts, which is a different part, I was actually earlier in the Mishnah Torah, is in Zmanim, there he wrote, there's one mitzvah, to call out before God, God forbid bad times come to the community, right? is the sort of from way of saying, that it shouldn't come to the community, to call out to God. Right? That's the way the Rambam presents it in the Mishnah Torah. The Minchas Chinuch to Baalotcha and Mitzvah Shin Pei Dal and Mitzvah Three 
84, notices that the, the Magid Mishnah, I'll talk to you, we'll share the Magid Mishnah in a second, the Magid Mishnah commentator on the Rambam, is surprised that the Rambam puts them together into one mitzvah. After all, they should seem to be two mitzvot, because for one thing, they're two verses, although they're right next to each other. And usually, and they seem to have two separate commandments. They're two separate, different occasions for learning the Torah. But that's what the Magad Mishnah asks. And his answer was, right, so let's read another Magad Mishnah. In the beginning of Hilchot Ta'aniot, the Magad Mishnah, an important, important commentary on the Rambam, writes, V'nireshe da'ato zal, she'amitzvahi achat kelalit. So he says, I think it must be the mitzvah is one overall mitzvah. Now, when the Minchas Kino sees those words, he no, I'm sorry, let me finish the Magad Mishnah. First, I'll go back to the Minchas Kino. He says, to blow the Chatzot in the temple, in the time of the Korbanot, and in times of trouble. Right, Whether in the Mikdash, in times of trouble, it could be only in the temple, that's a discussion. It could be in the Kavulim, it could be in Jerusalem as well. The, and therefore, they shouldn't be two mitzvot, but he leaves it as a Tzarek He leaves it as, I'm not sure why. Go back to the Minchas he says, if you look at Simon Peyrush, uh, you look at the Parshas Drachim in his counting of the mitzvot, he also quotes the fact that many people wondered about this idea in the Rambam, although the, although the Seber Kinoch counted that way. That's a question that we have. So, we have a mitzvah, has the, for the Rambam, the mitzvah is presented in the Seber mitzvot as one mitzvah. If you look at the Mishnah Torah, they don't seem connected to each other because he talks about the positive element, the idea of blowing the trumpets when we offer korbanot sacrifices or have happy days in Hilchoklea Mikdash as part of the Mikdash, as part of the temple service. And he mentions the idea of blowing trumpets and calling out to God in times of trouble at the beginning of laws of fast days. Because after all, rabbinically, they created fast days for those ideas as well. So I'm going to try to figure out what's going on. And I think that will give us insight into our topic from redemption to consolation and it'll suggest that the path to redemption the path to consolation those two paths are not so different from each other to see how that works let's now look with more attention at the sad side of the equation at the equation when times of trouble come for a second because in the beginning of the laws of fasts rambam writes remarkably and remarkably clearly and uh and in a way that teaches us, I think, many important lessons. He writes, Mitvat Torah, it is an obligation of the Torah, right, to call out to God and to blow the trumpet. Now that joining at least implies or suggests that Rambam thinks that the blowing of the trumpets is a form of zi'aka, is a form of calling out to God. Rabbi Salavechik, I think, said that about, um, about blowing shofar and Rosh Hashanah, which we'll come to in a little while, that, he, that it was like a calling out to God, that it's a form of prayer. So here it's a form of calling out on any kind of trouble that happens in the Jewish community. And he quotes the Pasuk, it's in Bamidbar chapter 10, any time of trouble, you blow the trumpets. Klomar, this is what the Rambam is talking now. That is to say, any matter, that troubles you. So that could be a drought, it could be a pestilence, it could be a plague of locusts, any of those things. We're supposed to blow the trumpets. Rambam Allah Bet says, and I want to go slowly on this because I don't know if we pay enough attention to these ideas in Rambam. He says, This is among the ways that we stimulate ourselves to repentance 
and that we demonstrate our repentance. I think both. When a time of trouble comes and the community calls out to God, all the, I think hakol means everybody, but it might mean the members of that community. I think it means all the members of that community will know that is because of their uh, evil ways that things are going bad for them. Now that's a statement that today people resist and object to and are bothered by the idea of blaming people for the troubles that come their way. Now with the individual, I think it's a much more complicated, I think it's a very difficult question. I think there's so many factors that come into play that it's hard to say. With communities, it's relatively simpler. The strong Jewish tradition that the Rambam is presenting here is that when bad times come to communities, the community is supposed to think that it has to do with things that they've done. So this gets the questions of the relationship between Rambam in the Guide for the Perplexed and Rambam in the Mishneh Torah, and the question of whether Rambam would say things he didn't actually believe were at all true. I don't think that's true. I think the Rambam never said anything he thought was untrue. There are, unfortunately, people out there who think the Rambam did for various reasons. So that'll affect how you read this Rambam. I'm only giving you the way I read it, and I apologize if that's not... Uh, I believe the Rambam means what he writes, even though he has to fit it into other things that he also means. I believe the Rambam means here that at least at the communal level, however divine providence works, the divine providence for the individual, the Rambam famously says there's more of divine providence for the more righteous people than for the less righteous people. All that being true for the community, I believe the Rambam is telling us that it is obligatory in a community that when trouble, times of trouble come to them, they say, these times of trial have to do with ways in which we're falling short. And that is a verse in Yirmiyahu, the fifth chapter, it says, that it's your sins that have turned things against you. And the Rambam writes, it'll lead them to tshuva, to repent, because remember he said the blowing of the trumpets is one of the darkea tshuva. It'll lead them to repent. And from that repentance, they will uh, then also uh, find salvation from or find themselves having the time of trouble removed from them, which is one of the paradoxes of the people who oppose this perspective. Meaning if this perspective is true, and I believe that it is, then it means that when times of trouble come to a community, it's a call from God for change. As we're about to see in the Rambam, the Rambam is going to say it in one way. But imagine people say, it's wrong to see that it's because we're doing something wrong because that blames us for it. But if that's what we need to change to be better or to, to find salvation, that's what the Ram says. Imagine, this is just the example that came to my mind. Imagine if a diabetic said, it's wrong of you to tell me to stop eating sugar when the idea that the eating of the sugar is the problem for this person and that is what will help them feel better and be better and do better. So that's self-defeating. That's what the Rambam is pointing out here. The blowing of the trumpets and the and the reacting to trouble as a matter for the community to take seriously. So that's because it will help them get to the place where the trouble will go away. And then in the next Allah, the Rambam writes, if they don't blow the trumpets, if they don't call out, I'm sorry, if they don't call out, the low yari, when they don't blow the trumpets. And the reason the Rambam can imagine them refraining from blowing the trumpets and calling out, is Ella 
is a danger that's just as true in our times as it was in Ramam's times. If the people say, no, this is just the way the world goes. This is just nature at work. This is the patterns of the world. And it just happens that way. You know, we're, we're living now soon after, or maybe still in the end stages of a worldwide pandemic of a magaifa. So imagine if people insist on saying it's just what happens in nature. Viruses come, mutations happen, and there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to live with it. You have to work with it. And then you have to, but it's not because of anything we've done wrong. So the Ramam is saying, he wasn't talking about the virus, about the coronavirus in particular, but he's saying, that is a path of, now, we usually translate Azariyut as cruelty. He may mean cruelty here and that we're being cruel to the people who will suffer from the continuation of the of the time of trouble. I think, though, he means Akhzariyot as insensitivity. He means that it is it is ignoring what we should be paying attention to, and which is cruelty as well. Cruelty is when I don't pay attention to other people's rights or other people's pain. So here we're being Akhzari and not paying attention, not paying proper attention to events. And then the Ramam writes, and it leads them to continue whatever they've been doing. Because if I don't experience a time of communal trouble, this is true in personal trouble as well, but as I said before, in personal troubles, it's much harder to figure out what means what in one's life. But as communities, if they don't take it as a time to alter their ways and as a call to alter their ways, they'll keep doing what they're doing. But what they're doing is what brought trouble to them. And therefore, that trouble will lead to more troubles. And then he quotes an important pasuk, an important verse from the Tochacha, from the part of Vayikra, where Hashem says, this is the way your at least national history is going to go. If you do well, you'll get bracha, you'll get blessings, you'll get wonderful things. If you do poorly, if you don't listen to God, then times of trouble will come. And in there, Hashem says, Now Rashi has a different reading of this. I'm not going to get into Rashi. That's not our topic right now. Maybe I will for a second. Rashi says it's about not being steadfast, not being consistent enough in our service of Hashem, which is almost a greater challenge than Rabbah was going to call for. Rashi is saying that Hashem might give us all of the punishment of not only for doing bad things, but even if we're just not as consistent as we should be in our service of Hashem. So I'm going to take the more lenient view. I'm well known for always looking for the more lenient view. So I'm going to take the more lenient view. The Ramam says, the verse says, you go with me, Bikari. Hashem warns, if you go with me, Bikari, I'm not translating carry for Ramam yet. I'll go with you in a wrath of carry, like a clomar. Now the Ramam explains, I'm going to bring you a time of trouble. I'm going to bring you like a low-level time of trouble, let's say. So that you do repent, that you repent, that you leave your ways. If you say, this is just the way of the world, it just happened this way, it'll get worse. Now, as I said before, Rashi says that it's, you do things uh, inconsistently. But the Ramam is saying, if you ignore the call, right, we're supposed to see a time of trouble as a call from Hashem. Now, there's a challenge here that Rambam doesn't bring up, but that I notice is a very big challenge because in our times today, there are people 
who ignore calls and don't believe in God, blah, 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 and that's terrible. But there are people who, and there are people who believe in God and are Orthodox Jews and who also will say, I've had debates online with rabbinic figures who will say, we're not supposed to figure out why things come and what they mean. Ramam to me seems to disagree, but that's what some people say. And we can leave that conversation for another time because I'm just quoting Rambam. But even the people who say, no, troubles come to communities for reasons, the next challenge is they'll say, and here's the reason. And unfortunately, very often the reason is either, in my mind, and I'm not giving specific examples, so, but in my mind, it's either silly, meaning you pick something very picayune, it's a very detailed as the reason for some big trouble, right? Imagine there was a stock market crash that wiped out all the stock of money that there was for a year. And, and so there's no stock up for the next year because nobody literally has any money. But the stock of somebody said, oh, you know what? It's because we wrap our in the wrong way around our arms. So that's sad because it's, it's sad for lots of reasons. It's sad because it's a bad reason. And it'll give a bad name to the idea of seeking reasons for why things are happening, learning lessons from why things are happening to us. And then people won't do it anymore. And it turns attention away from what might be the realer reasons, the truer reasons. Another problem in that along those same lines is some people pick, and I, I, I say this a lot, I think of it, some people pick what I call apple pie averus. An apple pie avera, an apple pie sin is a sin that everybody agrees is a sin. Every agrees we should do better about and we'll never be perfect at it. So you can always say, well, we're not doing well enough. We should be better at this. But different times of trouble from Hashem would seem to, we'll talk about this in a second in the Rambam, would seem to be for different reasons. So if Hashem sends an economic challenge, let's say, God forbid, you know, a stock market crash that affects the entire economy, so everybody's suffering, or Hashem sends a coronavirus with its level of suffering, or Hashem sends or allows uh, enemies like Iran to be threatening to the state of Israel. Those are different sarot. Those are different, tribes, those are different kinds of trouble. If we treat them all the same, as all from Lashon Hara, let's say, or all from we don't love each other enough, I think we're missing something. And I think the Rambam would treat that as we're, we're treating it as if it's all the same thing. Anyway, going on the Rambam just for a minute. It says, we'll be very so frame. The idea of fast days, he points out, is rabbinic. The Torah prescribed reaction to times of trouble was the Torah prescribed reaction was to call out to Hashem and blow trumpets. And the blowing of the trumpets was an element of finding our way to tshuva, to repentance. So that's something to keep in mind because a lot of people will focus on the technicality of the fast day, on the physical actions of the fast day, when that's the rabbinic version of, or that's the rabbinic extension, that's Chazal helping us see the better way to fulfill what the Torah really wants. Now, at the end of Yilchot the last chapter of Yilchot because most of Yilchot most of the laws of fast of the Rambam, and of the tractate to Anit in the Gemara, is about reaction to times of troubles. At the last chapter, the Rambam says, Yesham yamim There are days, fast days of the Jewish people, like Shivas Tammuz and Tisha B'Av, like the 17th of Tammuz and the 9th of Av, which are anchoring the end of our uh, presentations here, our discussions here. So he says those fast days happen, and we have them because of the troubles that happened to the Jewish people on those days. The Ram writes, to arouse or awaken our hearts, to open the paths of repentance, and for it to be a, a memory for us. Now this is what the Ram writes, ha'ra'im 
to remember our evil ways and the evil ways of our forefathers that were like our evil ways until they caused them and us these times of trouble. Meaning, I believe the Rambam is saying that it is an error to think of the fast days like the 17th of Tammuz as historical commemorations. It's not we're mourning that the walls of Jerusalem and whatever else happened on the 17th of Tammuz were breached on, the, on that day, as we spoke about last time, we're commemorating that. The Ramam says it's that we still do those things and it's those things that we still do that we're supposed to be noticing and, 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 and trying to fix and trying to, um, to rectify. And I believe the Ramam is building off of a Yerushalmi. Ram knew Yerushalmi very well. Where the Yerushalmi in Yoma says, it says that any generation where the Beit HaMikdash was not rebuilt, it's as if it was destroyed in that generation. Now that's a sharp statement because I can easily imagine that while it takes a lot to destroy, for Hashem to decide to destroy Beit HaMikdash, once it's destroyed, I can imagine that, we would, that Hashem would say, listen, now that it's gone, I'm not giving it back to you until you reach a level where I think you'll handle it well. But that Yerushalmi sounds like, as long as we got to the level where it wasn't quite bad enough for the Beit HaMikdash to be destroyed, it would have been rebuilt. So any generation where it's not rebuilt, it's as if it's destroyed in our generation. So that's all of our generations. We haven't gotten the, the temple back. But the Ramam's idea also means that since the 10th of Tevet, let's say, commemorates a different uh, element of the tragedy of the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, the destruction of the temple, from the you know third of Tishrei, from some Gedaya, from the 17th of Tammuz, it would also seem to mean that our experiences of those days should shift and differ. That we should be learning different lessons and trying to make different kinds of, of resolutions to improve. And similarly, with any other times of trouble that come our way. So now, in that sense, we've got very different versions of what the trumpets are doing. Right? The trumpets in the Beit HaMikdash on holidays are accompanying sacrifices. Maybe we would say they're like they're calling out, callings out of joy. Whereas the trumpets on fast days and on times of troubles, we just saw in the Rambam there about make, drawing our awareness to the fact that things are going wrong and things are going wrong because of things that we're doing or things that we've done in the past that we've not yet rectified and we should get working on it. Okay, all of that being true, why would the Rambam include it as one mitzvah? So if we look at the Sefer Achinuch on the mitzvah, I think he gets us a little bit closer. Then we'll have one more Rambam that gets us closer. And then I think we'll be ready to say, uh, to give a, maybe an answer. So the Sefer Achinuch in Beha'alotcha, on this mitzvah of the blowing of the trumpets, it's mitzvah 384, as we said before, he also, like the Rambam has it as one mitzvah in the temple and in times of war. And he says, he says, by the way, they blew the trumpets in the mikdash every day because they offered communal sacrifices every day. So it wasn't only for particularly particularly happy times, times of ex extraordinary joy. It was any times, every day, when you offered this. And then he says, And so too, in times of trouble, which is, an, as the Rabbim had it before, but it's an odd thing, because how is it so too? And then he says, and even though the Torah says about days of happiness and holidays and the beginnings of months, not only then, it's every day, whenever you had sacrifices. 
So what's the reason he gives for the mitzvah? Zebra Chinuch always gives reason for the mitzvah, which are often illuminating in these terms. He says that in the time of the sacrifice, it was necessary to focus one's attention, to concentrate one's attention. So too, he says, in a time of trouble, a person needs to have a lot of attention when he's calling out before God. Because when people are material and therefore, you know, when they're thinking spiritually, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of uh, focus, uh, focusing away from our ordinary lives and focusing on God. So the Sefer Achinuch is suggesting that the blowing of the trumpet is a way to focus our attention better and to get us to pay attention. But then he writes, and I saw that the Rambam wrote that on holidays, only the Kohanim would blow. The Levian would sing songs. He says, it seems from the Rambam that on the rest of the days, the Levian would blow. So that would suggest it's not about only about the physical action of blowing the trumpets. There's some element of who's blowing them that matters as well. So I think maybe the final answer. So that's where we are now. I think we, we, we I think even just all these pieces of information to me are valuable. It's the same Rachinuk is saying that as far as he understands it, we'll see the Rambam that I think maybe led him to understand it. We're told every day to blow the trumpets of the Beit HaMikdash because it's part of accompanying the Korbanot, and he thinks that's part of focusing our attention. On special days, it would be the Kohanim blowing that. Theoretically, you could say that you have new people doing it. It'll focus our attention better, possibly. But we're still stuck on what, and, and in times of trouble, we also need to focus our attention. So you could say, that the Rambam sees, and I will say this in a second, I just want, think we have one more piece of information to get before we can uh, be comfortable with it. It could be that the blowing of the trumpet is an attention grabber. And as an attention grabber, it can it grab our attention to think about positive things or it can grab our attention to think about troubling things. And that's what's going on. right? That's what I think maybe we'll see. So to understand that, I want to share two passages in the Rambam in the third chapter of the Laws of Truth. I'll do the second one first. In Perak Gimel, Halacha Dalit, chapter 3, Halacha 4, the Ram talks about blowing shofar in Rosh Hashanah. And he says, He says, it's just a rule. It's a halacha. And notice, this is in the laws of tshuva, not the laws of Rosh Hashanah, not the laws of blowing the shofar. So the Ram is not inserting this idea into the laws of blowing the shofar. He's not saying confidently, this is what blowing a shofar is about. He's saying, no, blowing a shofar is Allah. Now, blowing a shofar is similar to, but not the same as, blowing a trumpet. But he says, I think there is a remez, there is a hint here. Klomar, uru mishnachem, wake up. Remember the Sefer HaKinach, it's spoken about lehit le'orira levavot, what the Ram is spoken about, to waken us up. Here too, uru yesheni mishnachem, sleeping ones wake up from your sleep, venir damim, and the slumbering ones be aroused from your tardema, from your slumber, and seek through your actions, and do tshuva, and repent, and remember your God. So the Ram says, these are the people who forget the truth, in, in, in paying their attention to the sillinesses of, 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 you know, of the everyday, and they, uh, they invest all of their time, all of their effort in things that have no real ultimate purpose or ultimate value or ultimate aid. And the call is to improve our ways, 
and each person to leave the ways in which they've gone wrong. And therefore, the Rambam says, everybody should see themselves as if they're exactly half and half between good and bad, and this will wake them up. So even just that already suggests that the blowing of trumpets is about waking us up, and it's a call to wake up. Now, why would we need a call to wake up when things are going well? Because we really have to see how they're going well. So every day, as we offer a sacrifice, I think we're supposed to see, we're supposed to pay attention and notice that we again are able to offer our daily sacrifice, be grateful for it, and enjoy it. You know, I, I, I have to think to myself, it's not so easy. When I get, I get Birchaz Kalanyun every day, Spider-Man has always done that, but for an Ashkenazi Jew who spent most of his life living outside of Israel, the daily Birchaz Kalanyun is a, is a thing you can easily become accustomed to. But it's every day being reminded that the Kalanyun represent God and giving us a bracha. So too here as well, the Korbanot, and then the special days of the sacrifices, we're supposed to, for the good, notice and, and appreciate, and the trumpets help us do that. In times of trouble, we're supposed to notice the time of trouble, pay attention to the time of trouble, learn from the time of trouble, and that too takes an awakening. So there too, Hashem said, okay, so wake yourselves up. So I would suggest that the Rabbah puts them into one mitzvah because the mitzvah is to have a physical vehicle of waking us up to the life around us, waking us up to the good and waking us up to the trouble. So for the good, we can celebrate appropriately, participate appropriately, focus appropriately, and for the trouble, so we can pay attention and therefore learn the lesson and short circuit it and make it uh, last less long than it could. This last piece of the Ramam is, the paragraph before that he says, something remarkable, Anybody who, God forbid, regrets the good things they've done and says, you know, I don't know why I did them, and I don't know what was going on, a raise ibated kulat. person lost them all, meaning the Ramam thinks that there's this idea of tshuva. It's not just a gift in terms of when we've done bad, Hashem lets us wipe it away by feeling bad about it. The Ramam here in this hidden paragraph that I don't hear people talk about a lot is saying, no, it's a two-way street. The gift Hashem gave us was that how we view the past is Hashem will view the past. If we view the past that our good deeds were worthless, Hashem will treat them as worthless. If we view the past that our bad deeds were bad and we regret them, Hashem will treat them as regretted and therefore wipe them away. So that connection between good and bad, I think, also helps us with the trumpets and then helps us with this piece of the puzzle of getting the consolation. The trumpets are there to wake us up because it's in our power by how we view the world and how we react to the world to change how the world reacts to us as well. And so daily, when we have the Beit HaMikdash, we're supposed to remind ourselves to react well. And then in times of trouble, we're supposed to remind ourselves that we need to be reacting and being aware of what's going on, learning from it and changing our ways to it. And it's in doing so in paying attention in this way and reacting in the appropriate ways that we can bring about the better future that we want. So this has been week 11 of Redemption to Constellation from Pesach to Shabbat as we make our way, learning, we hope, lessons that will awaken us and take us to the better world that we long for very soon. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you next time for the reason Yerushalayim was destroyed so we can learn from those as well. Be well.